Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. If you let the Holy Spirit lead you, He is going to lead you to victory. God never intended for you to live a defeated life. He never meant for you to fail. He wants you to succeed. In the story of Abraham, we find some secrets to living victoriously, and I can't wait to share them with you. You'll be able to take these principles and apply them immediately to your life, and as soon as tomorrow, began to reap the rewards described in the Bible. So listen in and find out how to live a victorious life. Did you know that the Spirit leads you to victory? That God never intended you to live a defeated life? It tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be to God who always, did you get that? He always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. What this is telling us is that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, one and the same, leads us always in Christ's triumphal procession. He always leads us to victory. So if you decide that you want to follow the Holy Spirit, you're going to find that he's always leading you to victory. So we're going to look. This is the last little segment that we have on Abraham's life and the fact that he was a spirit-led man and what it meant to Abraham. And what we find is that consistently Abraham was guided by the Spirit of God to victory. And so we're going to start in Genesis 21 and we're also going to read in Genesis 22 this final example that he set as a spirit-led man. So I'll read to you in the first verse of Genesis 21. It says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. You know, the question here is, when can your victorious life begin? And the answer is, your victorious life begins when you start hearing from God. Abraham's victorious life didn't start when he had a son. It started 25 years earlier before he had a son when he started hearing directly from God. That's when Abraham began to have a victorious life. So the question here is, when can you start hearing from God and start having a victorious life? And the, the answer to that is today. You can start hearing from God today, and it starts when you get serious from God with, with God. A lot of folks want to know, how can I hear from God? How can I hear God's voice? The answer to that question is, when you start getting serious about God. And what does it look like when someone gets serious about God or gets serious with God? Well, they start paying attention to God. They start reading their Bibles they start consistently gathering together with other believers. They turn away from other spiritual feeding sources and they get plugged into God to be fed and sustained on a consistent basis. That's what it takes to hear from God. Well, let's read on in verse 2 of Genesis 21. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. How does your victory continue and get furthered? It's when you give birth to God's unique promises that he's made you. When God's promises become a reality to you. 
Well, you don't start off with a big thing, say with healing or salvation for your family or maybe a, a big financial crisis. Start, start with the spiritual things. If God has promised you joy, give birth to joy in your life. If God has promised you peace, then give birth to peace in your life. If God has promised you self-control, then begin to give birth to self-control, but then move on. If God has promised you healing, which he has, then give birth to that supernatural healing of your body, whether brought on by, by a sickness or by injury. If God has promised you salvation for your family and you've been praying for years, then begin to give birth to that answered prayer of that salvation for your family. If God has promised you that he's going to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, then begin to give birth to that supernatural provision that God is going to take care of your needs and even your wants. Stay faithful in prayer as, as you until you begin to give birth to what God has promised to you. And I, I think of, of a, a lady uh, that's in our good friend that's in our congregation. Her name's Miwa, and Miwa from, is from Japan. Recently, unfortunately, her mo mother passed away, and her family sent her a package of things from her family, of valuable things to her. Well, Miwa did not receive the package, even though her family called her and told her that it was on its way. And we began to pray with Miwa. Miwa was praying. Our church was praying. And uh, that was back in March. And we're in July. And finally, after four months of praying, God <laughs> brought this package to Miwa. And Miwa gave birth to answered prayer, so to speak. She received the package that God was promising to her that she would receive. Stay faithful to prayer until you give birth to the things that God has promised you he's going to bring about in your life. Let's read on in verse 3 of Genesis 21. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. Do you know what the name Isaac means? It literally means laughs. And that's what happens whenever you begin to get the victory in your life. God-given victory in your life, you start to laugh. You start to have joy again. You start to have peace again. You celebrate. You enjoy life. And so we see in verse 4 that when his son Isaac was eight years old, Abraham circumcised him as the Lord had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. By the way, I am so glad that men of faith described in the Bible didn't always receive what they were promised immediately. They had to wait. They had to wait on God to come through and fulfill for them the promises that God had made to them. There's men like Moses and Abraham and David and Paul who waited for God to fulfill his promise. It didn't come about in a day for these men. There are foolish people out there who claim that if God hasn't answered your prayer, it's your fault because you don't have enough faith. That's completely crazy talk. That's simply not the way things happen. In the Bible, it's clear and evident that men of faith, women of faith, waited sometimes long periods of time until they gave birth to the answered prayer that God brought to them. 
So our victorious life starts when we begin to hear from God and exhibit that prayerful faith that God wants us to have. Did Abraham wait to be victorious before he received his son? Took him 25 years? Did he languish in inactivity and depression until God fulfilled his promise? Absolutely not. Look what Look what Abraham did while he waited for God to answer his prayer. He walked the breadth and the length of the promised land that God was giving him. He took care of what God had given him. That's his flocks and his herds and and those people under his care. He interceded and rescued his nephew Lot who got in trouble during that period of time. He spent time with God, enjoying God's presence. See, you can have the victory before you see God's promises by getting involved with what God wants you to get involved with. Stay in the here and now. Stay in the present and do what God has shown you to be done here at this time. So we read on in verse 6. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. When you're victorious, I've already mentioned, you're going to laugh you're going to live a carefree life. You're going to enjoy life. And that's why in 1 Timothy 6.17, 6, it says that God has richly provided you with everything for your enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy your life. Do we have times of sorrow and loneliness and misery? Well, of course we do. Everybody does. But God uh, wants you wants to give you the victory so that you can laugh again. Does he want you to stay sorrowful and lonely and miserable the rest of your life? No. He wants you to leave, exit that place, leave that place, and get to a place of victory. That's why in Psalms 30 verse 5 it says, Weeping may stay for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Well, we read on in verse 7 uh, that Sarah added, Who would have said, uh, who would, excuse me, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. You see what happens whenever you get the victory? Whenever you see that promise fulfilled, you begin to celebrate. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. When you receive God's promise, you immediately see a stark contrast of all your own schemes and attempts to make things happen. And you want to get rid of them. You want to undo your past. You want, to, you want to separate yourself from the things that you tried to make happen because you see how good it is when God makes things happen. When you experience victory, you want to break with your past to send off everything that you have illegitimately brought into existence. What are those things? Well, attitudes, dangerous friendships, maybe even business ventures that God didn't intend for you to enter into or plans that are already in, in motion or decisions and commitments that you know you should, you should make a 180 degree turn on. Well, this matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, 
Do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and and sent her off with a boy. You see, when your victory is complete, even though this seems very brutal, what Abraham ended up doing here, when your victory is complete, you are ready to make some tough decisions, some tough choices um, that you need to break off with the things, with the people you know you need to break off from. So go ahead and make those tough decisions when it comes time, when the victory is secured. And don't feel bad about it because God is leading you. The Holy Spirit is directing you. So we see that victory starts when you hear from God. Not necessarily when you get the promise fulfilled. Don't wait for the promise to be fulfilled. Start enjoying your victory today, hearing from God. But then, through God's power and His strength, you can give birth to His promise. But, you know, there's actually another aspect to victory that's crucial to understand that we find also in Abraham's story. And it's this. You need victory over your selfish self. You need victory over your selfish self. I heard this a long time ago, and I believe it with all my heart. The enemy is betting on your own self-interest. He's betting that you're going to you're going to put yourself before you put God uh, in your life. So let's look at how Abraham handled this test in his life and see if he himself got victory over his own selfish self. We look at Genesis 22. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to Abraham, Here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. You know, as a parent of four kids, uh, I know that we all tend to relive our lives through our children. So to lose a child is worse than death. As a parent, I would far rather suffer myself than to see one of my kids suffer. So in asking Abraham to sacrifice his son, God was testing Abraham to sacrifice himself. In essence, essence, to get rid of his selfish self. But what seemed to be a horrible mandate, God was leading Abraham to incredible victory, as we will see. The best victory, which is victory over selfish self. Reading on in verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for a burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We, we will worship and then we will come back to you. What an amazing statement of confidence in God. When God asks you to sacrifice your selfish self, 
How much confidence do you have in God? Look at how much confidence Abraham had in God. He was certain that God was going to take care of the situation, his predicament that he was in. You see, God wants you to be God-confident instead of self-confident. I love this verse in Jeremiah 15.29. Excuse me, Jeremiah 15.19. In the Amplified Version, it says, Therefore thus says, says the Lord to Jeremiah, If you repent and give up this mistaken attitude of despair and self-pity. In other words, if you repent of your selfish self, then I will restore you to a state of inner peace. And I love that word state. That means a consistent, constant uh, state of inner peace, of, of inner peace within yourself. So that you, I'm going to read on in, in Jeremiah 15, 19, so that you may stand before me as my obedient representative. A God-confident person will stand before the Lord. Instead of turning his back on the Lord or ignoring God, they will stand before the Lord in confidence. If you separate the precious from the worthless, examining yourself and cleansing your heart from unwarranted doubt concerning my faithfulness, you will become my spokesman. You see, God wants us to be God-confident and stop our unwarranted doubt concerning God's faithfulness and in turn be totally confident in the Lord even as we're dying to ourselves. How does a God-confident person deal with uncertainty? Well, we look at Abraham. He had a pretty uncertain situation here. He was taking his son to sacrifice his son, the, the son of promise. You talk about an uncertain situation. How did Abraham, who was God-confident, deal with that situation? Well, we look in, in Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. This, the writer of Hebrews, looking back on the story of Abraham and, and giving us some, some insight. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Look at this in verse 19. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. You know what you do as a God-confident person? You begin to reason about God's power. Let's say, for instance, that you lose your form of income. Either you lose your job or, or your business uh, isn't working any longer, doesn't produce the income that you need. You find that your business doesn't give you the money you need, that the government isn't giving the money you need. So what do you do? As a God-confident person, you begin to reason, my God could even pour out money from heaven. That's what Abraham did. He reasoned of God's nature or, or related regarding God's nature. Well, let's read on in verse 6 of Genesis 22. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? 
Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. What a powerful, strong statement Abraham made here. In essence, he, was, he decided not to doubt God's loving nature and to be completely confident in him. As you walk into your uncertainties in life, don't doubt God's loving nature. Be state with confidence, declare with confidence, God himself will provide for me. In this case, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. With every step you take of getting victory over your selfish self, the stronger and the greater your confidence in God grows. You get that? You're, you're getting victory over your selfish self even when you don't feel like it. And as you do, you're going to get stronger and greater confidence in God. But here's another thought. Your own sacrifice can't save you. That The sacrifice of Isaac wasn't going to make Abraham a better person. It wasn't going to save Abraham from his own sins. It had nothing to do with that. The only way for us to be victorious over our own selfish selves is for God himself to provide a lamb to be sacrificed instead of ourselves. So self-sacrifice is not going to save you. Only the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf instead of you is going to save you. He is in fact the Lamb of God. Remember how Abraham said God himself will provide a lamb? Well that lamb, that same lamb is referred to in John 1.29 when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In other words, takes away the selfish self of the world. What is it going to take for you to get rid of your selfish self? It's the Lamb of God, Jesus. He takes it away for you and has taken it away for you by dying on the cross for your sins, for your selfishness, and for my selfishness as well. Revelations 5-6 gives us another picture of that lamb that Abraham was referring to. It says, Then I saw, this is the Apostle John in the vision of revelations that he had, I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. That throne is that victory that I'm referring to, that victory over your selfish self. Who has gotten you that? It's the Lamb of God. He reigns in victory and he wants you to reign in victory over your selfish self as well. Think of the selfish, out-of-control parts of your life, your attitudes, your habits, your addictions, your bad tendencies. Jesus paid the price for you to live victoriously over these things. And he, just as much as you want to get victory over them, God wants to give you the victory over them as well. Let's continue reading in verse 9. When they had reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. 
Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Will you give God control over your whole self, not withholding anything from God? You see, God doesn't want you to be dead. He doesn't want any dead sacrifices. He just wants living sacrifices as described in Romans 12.1 that says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What is, what is the Apostle Paul saying there in Romans 12.1? He's saying, make yourselves available to God. And that's exactly what Abraham did in putting his son on the altar. He made not only his son available to God, he made himself available to God. That is all God wants from you. Because if you sacrifice yourself, it's not going to save you. But when you make yourself available to God, the blessings of God begins to flow in your life and you achieve victory over yourself by simply offering yourself to the Lord. God, as I've said, doesn't want dead sacrifices. He wants active, spirit-led obedience on a daily basis. That's why in 1 Samuel 15, 22, the Lord tells us to obey is better than sacrifice your own sacrifice isn't going to save you so please remember that in Romans six eleven, it kind of puts it all together for us in the same way count yourself dead to sin in other words dead to your selfish self but alive to God in Jesus Christ well let's finish up here we see in Romans excuse me in Genesis 22 verse 13 the story of Abraham. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its by its horns. Not a lamb. Isn't that interesting? He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. It's interesting to me that God did not provide a lamb at that time. He only provided a ram because that was a prophetic declaration that Abraham made that a lamb would be provided for his son referring to Jesus Christ who would die almost 2,000 years later so Abraham called that place the Lord will provide and to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided now if we rewind to some of the verses we've already read Abraham was told to go to the region of Moriah and to a mountain that God would show him, a particular place that God would show him. Now many theologians believe that this event of Abraham uh, you know, almost sacrificing his son occurred very close to the place where Jesus was actually crucified on Mount Calvary almost 2,000 years later unbelievable praise God that God has not asked you to sacrifice yourself to save yourself but rather to receive new life that comes from Jesus who's already paid the price for you 
In verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take take possession of the cities of their enemies. Did you get that? Your descendants will take the possession of the cities of their enemies. There's one word for that, and that's victory. God was telling Abraham, because you have sacrificed your selfish self, you've given me your whole self, I'm going to give you victory. And that's what God promises you today. If you will offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God and rely on the sacrifice that Jesus made for you, you are going to have victory over your bad attitudes. You're going to have victory over your bad habits. You're going to have victory over your addictions. You're going to have victory over your bad tendencies because your selfish self has been offered to God. So, What are the three things that we see of victory here as we've been talking through this example of Abraham is first, you get victory on a daily basis by hearing from God. And the way you hear from God is by getting serious with him and saying, enough's enough. I want to get close to you, God. I want to do everything in my power to get close to you. You do that, you're going to begin to experience victory on a daily basis. But beyond that, God is going to begin to fulfill his promise to you and you are going to give birth to answered prayer by by being faithful in prayer and asking God and believing God. God is going to answer your prayers and so to speak, you're going to give birth to answered prayer as Sarah gave birth to the promise that God had made to her and her husband. But lastly, When you die to your selfish self and live for Jesus, you're going to experience powerful victory in your life. Victory that's undeniable, unforgettable. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for the victory that you give us, the victory that you promise us, and the the victory that you extend to us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that I don't have to die for my own sins, for my own selfishness. Lord Jesus, you already paid the price for me, and in doing so, you've extended me a victorious life. I I was never intended to live a defeated life. Lord, you never expected me to live a defeated life, but instead, a life of victory. And so I thank you, God, for that. Lord, help me to live that daily victorious life Lord, I pray that you'd answer the prayers that I pray. And Lord Jesus, I pray that I would die to myself and live for you instead. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, for it. Amen.